General Subject Living in the Kingdom of God as the Realm of the Divine Life Message 2 The Kingdom of God as the Growth of the Kingdom Seed Our general subject is Living in the Kingdom of God as the Realm of the Divine Life. And we saw that objectively, God's kingdom is his rule over the whole universe, everything he created, every being living therein. But another aspect is the aspect of life. There's a plant kingdom full of plants, animal kingdom full of animals, human kingdom full of humans, all characterized by a certain kind of life. But at first, the only inhabitant of the kingdom of God is God. Because only God has the divine life. So in this sense, the kingdom of God as a realm of life is God himself. But it is his heart's desire and eternal plan to open his being in the sun so that multitudes of people he created will respond to the gospel of the kingdom, believe into the Lord Jesus, receive him into them, and be born in their spirit and thereby enter into God as the kingdom of God. And his intention for us is that as we are living our human life on earth, as normally as we can possibly do in the midst of all kinds of situations, and passing through stage after stage, what's in his heart is that while outwardly we are living responsibly and normally and practically in our human life, inwardly something else is taking place. Inwardly, the divine life born into us through regeneration, is developing inwardly into a realm. And then the Lord intends that the church, as defined by Christ, and as established by the apostles, would be the practicality and reality of the kingdom in this age. So that personally, we learn to live the kingdom life in the midst of our human life. We have received the life of God. We have received God in Christ as the Spirit. Paul could say, Christ is living in me. The Lord Jesus said, whoever eats me shall live because of me. 
Paul said, no longer I, but Christ. The Lord said in Matt in John, chapter 14, verse 19, because I live, you also shall live. So whatever we're doing in our human life, being a pneumatic mom, reading Curious George gets an iPad 47 times, right? Or you're in high school, or a college student, or a young adult working, or you're in the military, or you got married a few months ago and now you wake up every morning astounded by the fact that you are not alone. Or you've been blessed with a child, or you're in middle age and you thought it's smooth sailing from young adulthood to maturity, and you learn it, it ain't that way, <laughs> right? But in, throughout our human life, it's a glory to God that we are also living inwardly in the kingdom as the realm of the divine life. So when we come to the outline, we will focus on the kingdom of God as the growth of the kingdom seed. But there are a few things we need to see in preparation for this. And the first I would mention is that we need to understand from God's point of view, the age in which we are living in relation to the process by which he's carrying out his eternal purpose. We know from Ephesians 3.11 that God made an eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. We know from the context of the book of Ephesians and the entire New Testament that God's purpose is to bring forth the church as the body of Christ and the counterpart of Christ to be the corporate expression of God and to represent God with his authority. This is his eternal purpose. We were created for this. We know from 2 Timothy 1.9, we were saved by God for his own purpose. From the time of creation until the time of the new heaven and new earth, God is moving in space and time in stages or in ages. Some call them dispensations, but I'll just say ages. So from the creation mentioned in Genesis 1 until the giving of the law was one age. And God was dealing with his people in a way characteristic of that age. Then the law was given. So now God is dealing with his people according to the law, the moral law of God. Then when the Lord Jesus came, <clears throat> the age was changed through the age of the church 
to the age of grace. And one other aspect that I'll mention shortly. Then at the end of this age, there will be the most radical turn the earth has ever seen. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus will return and manifest in glory the kingdom of God on the earth. Money will be abolished. Human government will be terminated. There will be the direct rule of God in Christ through the overcomers all over the earth. Amen. I'll be very interested to see who gets Cleveland. Okay? <laughs> I, I suspect it's someone in this part of the USA. Why bring someone from the West Coast but we'll just have to wait and see what he does. Now, the first two stages, in these stages, everything is visible. It's manifested. There's no secrets. There's no mystery. And when the Lord comes and the veil is removed, he will come through the whole earth, as the son of righteousness. For the overcomers, he will appear as the morning star. And they will be raptured. In the midst of the darkness, they are looking for him. And he will come. But then the Lord will come as the son of righteousness. And now all arguments are over. If someone presents the truth, a person with an active mind and a strong self may dispute and argue and reason. So in the last decade, certain atheists have become very aggressive. They're kind of fundamentalists in their own mentality. But consider what happened to Saul of Tarsus. How did the Lord gain him? By showing him a light brighter than the sun. No one can argue with light. When the Lord Jesus returns. As the son of righteousness. He will be accompanied. By his bridal army. And according to Matthew 13.43. These overcomers the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom. So the earth is going to see a corporate shining of the sun. What the Lord will say, we, we don't know. But in principle, he would say, here I am. The son of God, the son of man, the Lord of heaven and earth. You're going to have to deal with it now. That will be the ultimate lifting of the veil. Everything will be manifested. But we are living in a very different situation. And this is indicated by an expression in Revelation 10 verse 7. And a very helpful footnote on that verse. I won't read it or refer to it. 
But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to trumpet, then the mystery of God is finished. This is very important. There's something called the mystery of God. The present age, from the time of Christ's coming, through his death and resurrection and ascension, until his second coming, is an age of mystery. All that God is doing to establish the kingdom in reality is mystery. And that footnote identifies from the verses aspects of this mystery. God becoming flesh is a mystery. Christ himself is the mystery of God. The church is the mystery of Christ. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you. This is the mystery. Christ in you. So we are living such a life that we are either the most normal and wisest people or we are the most deceived. Because, as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, referring to our relationship with the Lord, he said, without seeing him, you love. Without seeing him, you believe. And I'm not ashamed to say, and we would all say, Lord Jesus, we have never seen you, but we love you. We love you. And I like to say, Lord Jesus, we can't see you, but we know you are here right now. You said, I will be with you all the days. If two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst. There's more than two or three. There's several hundred. The Lord is here. We can say, welcome, Lord Jesus. And then Peter says, without having seen him, we believe in him. So we have given our lives and everything related to us and everyone related to us to this wonderful person whom we haven't seen, yet we love him more and more and believe in him more and more. And this faith, which is a gift infused into us, enables us to live a life of mystery. We can't see it. We can't feel it. We can't hear it. Our senses can't substantiate it. Then, one another mystery that is our subject, the Lord speaks of in the verse we read, Mark chapter 4, verse 11. To you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Our Lord Jesus wants us to know 
the mystery of the kingdom of God. In the time just before the Lord came, and even while he was growing up, the atmosphere in the Holy Land was very intense. And there were many, this is mentioned in Acts, would, would rise up and say, I am the Messiah. And they would get a few hundred followers. Then the leader was killed and the rest were scattered. So there was an atmosphere loaded with anticipation. The emancipator is coming. The Messiah will come with power and authority and reestablish the kingdom of Israel. This is the one we're looking for. But they obviously didn't understand the scriptures that we regard as the Old Testament. The Messiah, Christ, will come with authority and power and will establish the kingdom of God throughout the earth when he comes the second time. But the first time he came, as described in Isaiah 53. And the uh, religious ones, they fooled themselves by what they thought was their own Bible knowledge. In John chapter 7, some were saying, he's the Messiah. Others said, he can't be. Read the scriptures. The Messiah does not come from Galilee. Oh, they knew he would be born in Bethlehem, but the Lord was born secretly in Bethlehem and then taken to Egypt and then brought back to Galilee. And he was not what they expected. They crucified him for being what he was. They questioned him. The high priest questioned him. So he had to answer. He didn't have to answer Pilate. But as a man he was under the authority of the high priest. Are you the son of God? You have said so. They said blasphemy. Kill him. They killed him for what he was. But he gathered around him a small group. Through him, he would continue and consummate his purpose. But even after his resurrection and ascension, and even after the Lord spent 40 days appearing again and again, every time speaking about the kingdom, then one of the apostles, okay, this is one of the 11 apostles. A 12 had to be added to replace Judas. He said, Lord, I have a question now. After all of this, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Will you do it now? So the apostles themselves had to be trained and renewed in their thinking. He said, that's up to the Father. You will be my witnesses to the uttermost part of the earth. So in his teaching, which we believe was reinforced or reaffirmed during those 40 days between resurrection and ascension, he said, it's given to you to know the mystery. But the context of this was two parables, both concerning a seed. And I refer to the second one that we read, verses 26 through 29. The kingdom of God is like this. A man sows seed into the field. And then he, he doesn't do anything else. And it grows. I appreciate this. He doesn't know how. I have to be honest with you. I have no idea. I don't know how the Lord grows in us. I don't know how this happens. I only know it's wonderful when it happens. When we want it to happen. And it will just grow to maturity. And then it's really the angels come with the sickle to rapture the first fruits. That'd be Revelation 14. So part of the mystery is that the way God will establish the kingdom in this age is by a seed. How tiny a seed sown into the earth symbolizing or signifying the human heart and then growing. This is a mystery. But my dear, my beloved brothers and sisters, we need to learn to be living in this mystery every day for the rest of our life. We want to have the inner sense confirmed by the discernment of the body because the body knows where the members are. And if we are willing to be delivered from self-deception and self-analysis and respond to the sense in the body, and to receive, I say this in purity, the genuine ministry which will speak forth from the Lord his present word concerning where we are. Then inwardly, we're in the best situation for this seed to grow. Now, some fellowship concerning the seed itself. The sower is the Lord. He sows the seed. And we're told the seed is the word of God. 
But what is the substance, the content of the word of God? It is the triune God in Christ speaking himself. This little seed is the embodiment of the triune God in Christ. Sown into us. We need a vision of the seed. That's why I had the feeling to suggest we sing him 1132. I love that song. The seed in us will break through. There's nothing that your life can't do. Now for a, an illustration, consider all of us here. There may be some teenagers less than 18, but almost everyone is an adult. How did we begin our existence? As a single cell, a fertilized cell inside of our mother. And from God's point of view, as stated clearly in the word, he knew us as a person from the time of that conception. Then how did we get from a cell to this? What course did we take? There is, in the human life, the law of the human life. And spontaneously, beginning with conception, the law of life governs and directs the growth and development of this human being. Okay, I'm not going to get into politics. And I don't know the science. But we're discovering more and more with the advancement, you can see that's a little human in a much earlier stage than you thought. And so the human life develops within the womb of the mother. Then we were born. Then how did we grow to maturity? Yet we had to be trained by our parents to make the bed and say please and thank you and to go to school and all of this. But none of that caused the growth of the human seed. If it's the law of the human life in the seed, as long as it receives the nourishment, the supply, the protection, it will grow. The principle is the same. This seed is Christ in the word. The Christ who is himself the kingdom, according to Luke 17, 21, right? He has sown himself as this seed to reproduce himself by the growth of this seed inside of us. Until the seed emerges from our mingled spirit, 
and spreads throughout our inner being and becomes a realm over which God reigns in life. So this needs to happen in each one of us personally. And the development is more likely to be normal when we are living the church life corporately. Because what the Lord wants to see is a corporate development of this kingdom seed. That corporate development is the reality of the kingdom. That's the reality. So when we live this kind of life in the church life, we are entering the reality of the kingdom. The church life itself is the practicality of the kingdom. And the Lord, who has... Eyes like flames of fire, but able to thoroughly know our whole being in a way we can never know ourselves. He knows to what extent this kingdom seed is developing. He will know. And the Father will know. And when he decides... Yes, the vast majority of my children, they haven't grown at all. The seed is dormant in them. It's the same as it was when they got saved. It hasn't grown at all. But by my mercy and their response, there are the seeking ones, the consecrated ones who responded to my mercy And they gave themselves to me and opened their being to me and lived as open vessels before me. And I can see in them a mature development of the kingdom seed. It's now time. It's now time. The reality is here. And this reality of the kingdom simultaneously is the reality of the body of Christ and the prepared bride of Christ. It's all one reality. Kingdom, body, bride, they're all one thing. And when the bride is ready, the Lord will reconfigure the world situation. The Temple Mount in Jerusalem will be cleared of the mosque. The temple will be rebuilt and all the living overcomers will be alive through the first three and a half stages of the 70th week of Daniel. They will know Israel has made a covenant with a European leader. That powerful person enabled the building of the temple and we know Because the prophetic word is shining in us. Soon there will be an assassination. He will be resuscitated and be the Antichrist. Just before that, the overcomers will be raptured. 
It's not much of a challenge, if any challenge at all, for the Lord to rearrange the world situation. To allow this one to be in power, to remove him. If the Lord puts someone in power, millions could rise up and hate him and oppose him. You can't touch him. If God wants to remove him, he'll remove him. So I don't stand with any person as a person. I stand with the throne of God. You put in office what you will. You remove whom you will. My feeling doesn't matter. I don't pray a political prayer. I pray a kingdom prayer. But so many books in the United States about end times and prophecy just appeal to the interests of the Lord's children. But very few are taking the way of the growth of the seed to maturity, which growth becomes the reality of the kingdom When the kingdom comes, that will be the manifestation of the kingdom. But if there's no reality, there's nothing to manifest. There's just emptiness. The reality is hidden, even from us. But let's suppose right now, the Lord decided to glorify all of us, to transfigure our body. Then you go into Starbucks, you won't have to say, I'm a son of God. Everyone will be astonished. You're a person, yet you're glorified. That's the manifestation. But you don't go there now and say, by the way, I'm part of the kingdom. I'm a God man. No, let the reality speak for itself. So the Lord's focus is not on outward things. He's the God of heaven and earth. He can bring about any change he needs to take place. That can happen in a day. But the growth and development of the kingdom seed cannot happen in a day. And part of the mystery is in this first parable of the seed And under what conditions does the seed develop to maturity? We're all very familiar with this. But there may be two matters. Not maybe. I believe there are two matters. That once they're presented will be quite enlightening and helpful. We know the seed that fells on the the hard soil... It's not received at all. The enemy comes immediately. But then there's a kind of soil representing a human heart. They immediately receive the seed. They're so happy. I'm saved. Or I'm happy to be in the the church. I was in a meeting. A brother came once. He said this. I'm so happy to be here. I consecrate myself to the church life. One week later, he was gone. So this is, there's earth, but it's shallow. Underneath are huge rocks, huge rocks. 
And if you read the accounts of this parable in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you will find three no's, three things that are not present in this kind of heart. No root. There's no root. Because the stony heart does not allow a root to develop. So there's an outward display right away. The second is <clears throat> no moisture. There needs to be moisture. And then no depth. And one thing that characterizes American culture generally is its shallowness. It's its shallowness. And its impatience. And its need to have something instantly. So, it's not a theory to me. I remember being in a particular meeting where Brotherly was ministering. And during that message, the Lord extracted huge boulders from my being. There's a verse in Jeremiah 23, it says, the word of the Lord is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So sometimes the Lord will use the word inwardly. Okay, don't worry, I'm not going to hammer anybody. I'm not the hammer. But he breaks up the rocks and removes them. So now your whole inner being is available. Something that's been occupying you for how long? Only the Lord knows. Now the seed can grow downward. The growth must be downward first. When you get the Holy Word for Morning Revival on message two from the last Itero on a secret life with the Lord, according to Matthew 6, and this root going downward will all be helped by seeing we need to allow the seed to grow downward first. But then my real concern is with the thorns. And the thorns come in, according to one account. Everything is fine. You're young 20-something, full of love for the Lord, enthusiasm. And the enemy's aware. He's concerned. He doesn't want young people to be absolute. So he is subtle. And he may say, I know where you are right now. And I know where I will cause you to be when you're 45. And what are some of the things that are mentioned <clears throat> that are the thorns? The anxiety of the age. 
Yes, the anxiety of the age. For yourself, for your sons and daughters. I remember being in the grip of this when my older, my daughter and older son, they were well into their teenage years. I'm wondering how, Lord, how will I ever be able to support them to get a college education? They all have this aspiration. They have the capacity. With the kind of work I do, the kind of income I have, how will I ever be able to do it? But I brought that concern to the Lord. And I look back. My daughter graduated from the University of Texas. My older son graduated from a university in Arkansas. He went there because he wanted to be a professional pilot. His was the most costly education because you've got to rent a plane and you've got to pay for the instructor. And then my younger son graduated from the University of Texas in Arlington. I look back upon it. No debt. No debt. I didn't borrow anything. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. The anxiety of the age. That's why, to be honest, I'm in no way legal or religious. That's why I'm honest with what I will absorb from the media. I will not sit passively open before a TV screen and absorb the spirit of the age, the anxiety of the age. I seek the kingdom first. And then the desire, the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, if I can just have this much money. Yes, I'm going to move from this locality and go to where there's no church because this job opportunity is so promising. And it's not just the love of money. You're deceived by it. Because if we don't know the Lord's law of giving, the more we get, the more we earn, the more we can lose. Things can happen in an instant to wipe it out. The deceitfulness of riches. The pleasures of this life, and the word for life in Greek is bios, just the pleasures of the material realm. It doesn't mean you have to eat food you hate so you don't have pleasures. It doesn't mean you can never have jamoka almond fudge ice cream ever again. (laughs) Just obey your wife when she gives you this much. (laughs) Just obey your wife. But to be focused on this, to take in this, been there, done that, been there, done that, what's new for me to experience and enjoy the pleasures of this life? And my heart aches when I observed again and again and again 
and the affluent countries, the thorns coming in to choke the seed. It chokes it. And some, I'm taking a little risk here, but I have to be faithful. For some, this begins quite early because they get mixed messages from their own parents. Do you realize that most of the opposition to young brothers and sisters coming to FTTA comes from their parents who are in the church life? That's a fact. There was one situation. The daughter was in the training for a year. The father insisted, demanded, you must stop and not go back. You have to go on with your life. So she fell in love with the young man, altogether an unbeliever. And now it's the wedding meeting. And a co-worker, I wasn't the one, was there. And the father was brokenhearted and weeping about the effect of the demand he placed on his daughter. I know a situation. This brother served in the Russian-speaking world for a number of years. He returned home. His daughter loved the Lord, wanted to go to the full-time training. And he applied a portion from numbers that was for people living under the law. If a young woman who's not married, she lives at home, makes a vow, the father can cancel it. And he went to her and said, I cancel that. I disallow that. So the mixed messages, we're here for Christ in the church, but you have to be practical. You have to be balanced. And this question and question and response times comes often. What's the balance? To tell you the truth, I never asked this question. It never entered my mind. But now you ask, I'll give you a Bible answer. Here's balance. Seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> then you seek first the kingdom of God and then keep reading the epistles and Paul will say, if you don't work, you don't eat. Get a job. Get a job. If a man does not provide for his own household, he's worse than an unbeliever. Take care of your family. That's balance. But the Lord doesn't come and say, oh, here's a nice balanced life. This much time is for God. This much time is for you. This much time is for your children. This is much time for your parents. This is much time for your vacation. You just divide it up. Then the heart is open to the thorns and they choke. I say this again, my heart aches. I'm talking about brothers and sisters I've known 
for 30, 40, and 50 years. They're still here. And they haven't grown an inch in decades. And so, in the spring of 1970, Brotherly had an informal training. And one of the lines was on the growth in life. And if you have or have access to the collected works of Witness Lee for 1970, I don't know which volume, you'll find these messages. And this is the main point. The growth of life is a matter of our heart. Of our heart. If we want the seed to grow, we need to turn our heart to the Lord, fully open our heart to him, and positively pray for him to strengthen us with power into the inner man so that Christ may make his home in our heart. And on the negative side, we need the Lord to shine in us and touch those things that hinder the growth of the seed. There's a proverb in the book of Proverbs that says, guard your heart above all that you guard. Guard your heart. This is where the growth takes place. And now that we have some understanding of the enemy's schemes, We can fight for the saints and fight for the younger generation to ward off the enemy. You cannot have them. Their whole being is for the Lord. But on the other hand, only you decide what happens with your heart. You're not a robot. The Lord will not maneuver. He will not manipulate No leading one, no co-worker will interfere with your private life and say, do this or do that. Don't do this or don't do that. Let's just say in the matter of falling in love and marrying someone. My dear brothers and sisters, if God is not the source of this matter, then of what is he the source in your life? You want your heart in itself to be the source? And so we need to realize, as we come to this outline, I don't want it to be just objective teaching that has no application. The Lord is the seed in us. He came in such humility as a seed. Now he wants the seed to grow. The seed entered into me in August 1955. As far as I understand, the growth did not begin until I met the recovery, the church life, and the ministry until October, September of 1966. The seed just remained there. I had to worship the Lord for his humility, for his patience. But oh, 
the joy that comes when you open to him and just say, Lord, grow in me. Just grow in me little by little, day by day. Today is what, April 19th? 20th? The 20th, that's right, the 20th. So now we've got um, eight months plus 11 days this year. What would happen by January 1st, 2020, if every one of us allowed the Lord to grow without hindrance every day for the rest of this year? We just pray this simple prayer. Lord, grow in me. Grow in me. And realize the growth is Christ increasing within you. So allow me to remind us all of a basic truth concerning what the growth in life is. There are six things that are really in three pairs. The growth in life is the increase of the element of God within us. The growth in life is the increase of the stature of Christ within us. And the growth in life is the increase of the ground that the Holy Spirit has in us. The growth in life is the decrease of the natural human element. The growth in life is the self being denied. The growth in life is being subdued by the Holy Spirit. And this second matter, under the second three, that involves... The Lord breaking through, breaking through. So what needs to happen, which is normal, is that this seed contains the element of God, the person of Christ, and the spirit of life. All these are increasing and we're giving more room to the spirit. But there's something already in us. We're not empty. There's something already in us. To be empty is really dangerous. So the Lord doesn't remove something until he's ready to replace it with himself. So now the natural human element has to be touched. Then the self, it has to be broken. It's 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 sad. I don't have a critical spirit. I don't have a judging spirit toward anyone. Here's a brother beyond middle age, so active. When he prays, he exercises his spirit. But the shell has not been broken. It's still not broken. You can sense the resistance in his own being. And so... We're not just here to have some kind of Bible knowledge. What's in the Lord's heart, what's in my heart, is that the kingdom seed would actually grow in all of us. 
till it becomes a realm. So it enters, enters your mind, your thinking, your memory. There are certain things in our memory we should have forgotten a long time ago. But we never let the matter go. We never forgave the offense. We see the person after a year, the feeling rises up again. Our reasoning, our opinions, our imagination, then our emotion. The Lord has a lot of inner feeling. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to be able to weep with those who weep. You just hear about this heart-rending situation that's happened to this family. We hardly know what to pray, but we can just weep with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Then the love develops. So we love everyone the same in the church. Then we love all human beings the same. The same. Eventually we will love those who oppose us. You know, we know this happened. This can happen. We know the Lord Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But it happened in a rather younger believer when he was being martyred. He was being stoned. Stephen saw the Son of Man and he prayed, Lord, do not hold this against them. What is this? This is Jesus living in. He didn't say, Lord, get even. He didn't say, you're getting me now. But God is going to get you. Lord, do not hold this against them. And what if the Lord said, okay, I won't. And Stephen would say, praise the Lord. Save them all. Can you think of one person right now, just, just in the world, maybe a celebrity, maybe a political leader, that you would ask the Lord, save this person. I don't know if our president is a brother in the Lord. I have my concerns. Lord, save him. Save Nancy Pelosi. Save them. They're human beings. Save them. And then the will. So this is the growth of the seed. Now, we can go through the outline in about 25 minutes. There'll be a half an hour for you to complete the message. I enjoyed last night. You completed the message, and I appreciated the young brother at the end. So I can tell you, you don't have to wear a uniform like mine to come up and speak, okay? <clears throat> I consider this a uniform. You're just dressed in a normal way. You just come as you are. We're not making a display. Okay? One, the New Testament reveals that the triune God has been incarnated 
in order to be sown into his chosen people and then to develop within them into a kingdom. This is the intrinsic element of the entire teaching of the New Testament. <clears throat> this is it. This is the essence. The triune God incarnated, sowing himself into us to develop within them. That's why the last elders training was on the development of the kingdom of God. This came from the Lord. This is his burden. The development. When I see my granddaughter, who's 12, I'm not at all bothered that she's 12. Because she's growing. And I know when she turns, has a birthday in July, she'll be 13. She won't be 21. I'm not bothered. The law of life will bring her to maturity. She'll be a mature woman. So we just want to have the sense, and we should pray for this, that the seed is developing within me. You don't have to pray a formal prayer. You may be at a red light, you can pray. Maybe that's why the Lord, you're in this line, the left turn line, the red arrow was there. Your, your car is ninth or tenth. You're familiar with the intersection. You know how much time is given. If the reflexes of these other drivers are quick enough, you'll make it through. And they're not. And so you'll be there now for two and a half minutes. Well, why don't you take ten of those ten seconds and say, Lord, Grow in me today. Amen. Lord, please give me a normal day's growth in life. Amen. I had mentioned this a number of times. And when brother asked me, what is a normal day's growth in life? I told him, I have no idea. I just know there is such a thing, right? It's as simple as that. You can do it in the shower. Even while you're shaving, but if you just change the blades, better be careful. You don't want to wound yourself. Lord, grow in me. Grow in my wife. Grow in my husband today. This prayer comes up as my wife and I are driving to the Living Stream campus morning by morning. Lord, cause the growth of your body. Grow in the saints all over the earth. Two, those who live in the kingdom of God have God as their life. God lives in them, through them, and out of them. And thus they express God. So this is part of our living in the kingdom as the realm of the divine life. Let God live in us, through us, and out of us then we will express him. And you do that more and more. Whether at school, you're in the same classes with certain friends, or at work, and you contact this person, you have a burden for this person. I assure you, that expression of God through you 
It's going to radiate something into them. So I'm no expert by any means on gospel preaching. And I haven't had a secular job for the last 45 years. I've been in this line 45 years. But wherever I worked for any period of time, at least one person got saved. Just, and, and I was very mature then, immature, sorry, immature. But still, there was some increase of Christ. The people sense this intuitively. The Lord opens up a situation and you bring that person to the Lord because you're living the kingdom life by letting the seed grow. When the seed grows, it's not inactive. Then Christ lives in you, through you, and out of you. The kingdom of God is Christ himself as the seed of life sown into us, okay? growing in us, spreading in us, and maturing in us. Until there is a full harvest, the manifestation of the kingdom. So, growing is the seed increasing in its size. Spreading is the expansion into our being. And the Lord needs to be able to touch what's there. There is something, a phenomenon, I truly do not understand. And if anyone has an understanding of this, please fellowship with me. I know of situations, at least three brothers who are elders, faithful brothers, their wives have not participated in the church life for a range of 20 to 30 years because of some offense that took place or some hurt that befell them. And what I don't understand is how can a brother or a sister go on with the Lord and not forgive what happened. A number of times, trainees have come for fellowship. They say, I really want to forgive this person. I can't forgive this person. And I point out, yes, you've been offended. But you've also been hurt. And for the wound, you need the good Samaritan to come and pour oil and wine in the wound. Let him heal you in life. Come to him as you are. Then you'll be able to forgive. But some, really, they haven't been hurt. They've just been offended because they're in the self. Yet they're still in the church, which is the kingdom. And part of the kingdom teaching is, if you do not forgive your brother, your sins will not be forgiven in this age. 
You will only be forgiven at the end of the kingdom age. I don't understand why they wouldn't be enlightened by this kingdom truth to seek the Lord. I want to forgive. Then he knows why. You just tell him, I want to. I'm willing to. He will supply you. He will restore you. Because the growth in life stops over this one thing. The genuine prayer is over. The enjoyment is gone. Because for some reason, this is held on. But the Lord wants to spread. He said, I want to come here. I want to come to this memory. I want to come into this part of your emotion. Will you open to me? I know what to do. I know how to care for you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to heal you. I'm the shepherd of your soul. I want to grow in you. I will have to judge everyone later. That's my responsibility. But I'm not here for that. I exercise my authority not to judge you, but to minister to you. But you have to open to me. Let me spread. Then maturing means we're being filled overflowing with the divine life. We're filled. Then there's a full harvest. So this growth needs to take place in us now so that we may be part of this harvest when the Lord returns. But some saints, they are still under the deception from the religious teaching. When a believer dies, all problems are solved. Because you just go to heaven. Then, then you're happily ever after. That isn't the truth. First of all, when a believer passes away, they don't go to heaven. They go to paradise, the pleasant section of Hades. There's no teaching about going to heaven when you die. Then they'll be resurrected, and the Lord will say, now we continue from where you are. You have to be mature. You have to be perfected. You're not. You don't have oil in your vessel, so you can't be in the wedding feast. You haven't been faithful in your service. You can't enter the kingdom. That's the kingdom truth. So many don't want to hear it. They they don't want this. They want the sugar-coated teaching. You're not going to get it here. It's this truth that motivates us along with the Lord's loving care simply to open our being to him as much as you can. If you can only open this much, the Lord will say, this much is good. I won't pry you open. Then you realize, this is sweet. I'm going to open this much. And eventually, you'll open your whole being, knowing the Lord will search all your inward parts. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts so that the Lord can spread. But no one can do this for you. I can't open your heart. 
I can't violate your being. I'm not going to appeal to your emotion and try to have you stirred up to have some kind of response that makes me feel good. I'm not for that. I'm not here for myself, for the Lord and for you, for the Lord's interests. Just turn your heart to him and open to him and let him grow, spread, and mature. This is revealed in the parable of the seed in Mark 4. The kingdom of God is actually the God-man, the Lord Jesus, sown as a seed into the believers and developing into a realm over which God can rule as his kingdom in his divine life. This is the central thought on this outline. This is the way God establishes the kingdom now. This is the mystery. See, the Lord Jesus, who is the embodiment of the triune God, came to be the kingdom of God by sowing himself as the seed of the kingdom into God's chosen people. This is what happened to all of us when we first believed in the Lord. But it takes our reading of the word under the Lord's enlightening. Mainly it takes healthy teaching that helps us realize what took place in us. The kingdom seed is in us. What the kingdom seed is. What the seed wants to do. And our part is to turn to the Lord. Love him. Believe in him. Open to him. And then respond to his shining and to his anointing within us. It will be gentle. He's not going to overpower you. That's not his way. That's Satan's way. We'll see tomorrow morning the kingdom we're in is the kingdom of the Son of God's love, the most delightful realm. There's no fear here. There's no control here. There is no rod of iron. That's for the nations. There's just a budding rod full of life. What a realm we're in. Then we just open to him and just say, Lord, grow in me. Then as the Lord increases, your prayer will be uplifted. Lord, grow in me, not just for me. Grow in me for my spouse, for my children. Grow in me for the church where I am. Grow in me for the body. Grow in me for the bride. Oh, imagine if five or 10,000 saints would pray like this. Grow in me for the bride, Lord. You can't marry a little girl. She must be mature. <clears throat> e. Uh, no, D. Christ establishes the kingdom by sowing himself as the seed of life into believing people so that the kingdom may grow. This is absolutely a matter of the growth in life, not of our work. So you don't have to work. What can you do? I don't know if I still have this somewhere at home. I should have kept this book from this series of Frog and Toad. I don't know if you ever read any of these 
to your kids. <clears throat> and this went about, it's frog and toad, they plant seed in a garden. And I don't remember if it's frog or toad who uh, is trying to work so hard to cause the seed to grow. So he goes there, he preaches to it, he pleads with it, he sings to it, he does all that he can. And then the other, either toad or frog, he doesn't do anything. He just trusts in the growth. And then the first one is so surprised, I'm exhausted. I've done all of this heavy activity trying to help the seed grow. And it didn't need any of that. It doesn't need any work. Religious work frustrates the growth of the seed. Just open to him, read the Bible, pray simple prayers, love him, sing, fellowship with the saints. Spontaneously, the seed will grow. Regeneration is the entrance into the kingdom of God and the growth of the divine life within the believers is the development of the kingdom of God. So what kind of kingdom would it be if it were inhabited by five million toddlers? Do you think the enemy would be afraid? Is this an army? Are there special forces among the toddlers? No. But whoa, if there are a number of those that have reached the spiritual age of 20, and we will address this, the outline has been written thoroughly in a fuller way to present to the whole recovery in the summer training. This is how we get to the spiritual age of 20. You don't have to be 50. You don't have to be 80. You don't even have to be 30. Just the spiritual age of 20. So either come to the live training or somehow get the message. For the kingdom is developing as the realm of life by the growth in life. F, the seed of the kingdom is Jesus and the development of the seed in the aggregate of the believers is the kingdom. So now the seed has to be corporate. The development has to be corporate. So Paul at the end of Colossians 1 said he is struggling energetically according to the operation of God within him to present everyone full grown in Christ. Full grown. He was struggling. In Galatians 4.19, he says, I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So those ministering are not simply giving messages. There's a lot of travailing before and after. Travailing. I have no idea what it's like for a woman to go through the travail of childbirth. But if, if there's anything like this, I really have feelings for you. But there's the joy when the little one is born. And so the ministry will be struggling, fighting, 
with all of the God-given energy so that everyone would be presented full-grown in Christ. Surely Brother Lee travailed for us. Remember, he was giving some messages after a time of upheaval. Very deep messages on truth. He said, I didn't learn this by studying books. I learned it through intense suffering. But he did it gladly for us. For us. That we would receive and allow the seed to grow. Gee, after the seed has been sown into the believers, it will grow and develop within them into the kingdom of God, which is for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose and also for their blessing and enjoyment. So again, the development is inward. The Lord emphasized this in Matthew 6. Religious people do outward things. Pray long prayers. Pray in public to get glory. When they give something, they make a display. I remember being in the denominations when they build a new structure. Then they put plaques on the wall for, for the rich who gave large amounts of money. I never saw a plaque for a widow who gave in the last she had. But that's what pleases the Lord. After this seed has been sown into the believers, okay, it will, so it will grow, it fulfills God's eternal purpose, and then for our blessing and enjoyment. Allow me to say this to you. Some of you have known me when I was quite young. I have more joy now than ever in my whole life. I've never been happier now than any time in my life, any time in the Lord's recovery. To allow the Lord to do whatever's on his heart concerning us and to shepherd us through any kind of situation and just to exercise his rule in life over us, it brings in so much blessing and enjoyment. It's a delightful realm the blessing increases in you. That's why, allow me to just testify of this. It just comes out spontaneously. Whenever I get into an elevator and there's a sister there and her husband and a little child, I just say to that one, the Lord bless you forever throughout your whole life. I just... I just you just like to see this little one, this infant, grow up under the Lord's blessing. Amen. In every way, at every time, everywhere, throughout her whole life. Amen. Well, so we are full of blessing and full of joy. This is an indicator that we're living the kingdom life. I mentioned this elsewhere. I cheated myself for a number of years. I robbed myself. The enemy used myself to trouble me. This is what happened. Revelation, um, Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace 
and joy in the Holy Spirit. So for a long time, I stopped at peace. Righteousness, okay, I'm going to be strict. I'm going to be righteous. Then peace, okay? Joy, that's for shallow people that are happy. <laughs> deep people, come on. How can they be, be, they be deep and know the cross and have this kind of joy? But then two things happen. A certain person who had the ground to say it spoke to me directly, Ron, you are robbing yourself of so much enjoyment of the Lord. End of statement. But I had to receive this from the Lord. And then I learned of Brother Watchman Nee's final written words. After a lifetime of suffering, after 20 years of indescribable suffering in prison, his final words, I have kept my joy. Amen. Then I realized, no, the deepest persons are those who have joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if your conscience gives you the sense that you are right in these matters, you're in the kingdom to this degree. If you have peace with the Lord and with others, as far as it depends on you, you're on a higher level. But the highest level is joy in the Holy Spirit. This is a realm of wonderful, indescribable joy. That's why the Lord will say to the faithful servants, well done, enter into the joy, the joy of your master. Amen. Then we read the last section. In 2 Peter, in those verses given, Peter charts or shows us the development to maturity. And the development is the entrance into the coming kingdom. The development of the kingdom within us is our entering into the kingdom of God. The development is the entrance. How did you enter into adulthood? You didn't get a permission. You didn't have to appeal. You grow into it. The development is the entering. So many of us, you know, certainly we hope, we want to make it in the kingdom. We hope we can be an overcomer. Okay, it's okay to hope, but that's not going to accomplish much. But if you place yourselves in the development, the development will be the entrance. To enter the kingdom of God is a matter of growing Christ inwardly. What a precious thought. It's not mine. That's why I can say it's precious. Growing Christ inwardly. Apparently, it is we who enter into the kingdom of God. Actually, the entrance into the kingdom of God is supplied to us richly by the Lord through our growth in life and through the development of the divine life within us. So the Lord wants to supply us. He wants us to enter into the kingdom. He wants many to be at the wedding feast. He wants this. He's for this. He's for you. And he knows the way is development. And Peter, he reached maturity. He went through a lot of things. 
But he wrote this in his maturity. And he's saying, you all know how I will end. And it's okay. The Lord told me. But this is the way. You want to enter into the kingdom. You let the divine life develop within you. That development will become your entrance. The last point, we should be diligent to pursue the growth and development of the divine life within us until, until we are richly and bountifully supplied the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Diligent to pursue the growth and development. And to pursue is not complicated. It's to turn to the Lord and pray. It's to come to the word and pray. Come to the Lord and pray, Lord, grow in me day by day for the body of Christ, for the bride, and for the kingdom. Just pray this every day. You shower every day, we shave every day, we eat every day, we clothe ourselves every day. This is a matter of life. So Lord, today, this is our prayer. What I'm expressing now is our prayer. Lord, today, grow in all the members of the body of Christ. Increase in us all for the kingdom of God. Okay, so please pray with someone nearby, then we'll have 20 plus minutes to complete the message. Let the Lord flow. Okay?